I love it. We're we're here. Welcome to Cape Christian. So glad to have you with us. Uh, so grateful to have all of our online campus, our all, our all around the world. We love you guys as well. And we are just, we're diving into it. We're right here, uh, kind of turning the corner on our, uh, our series called Get Your Life Back. This is week four. Um, it's come, it's basically, we're kind of coming off of John Eldridge's book, Get Your Life Back. If you're new, if you're just seeing this or just hearing this, we are encouraging everybody to get this book, go through it. I've heard multiple stories just this week, I'm not exaggerating, of how this book has absolutely transformed people's lives uh, in the past several months. Some read it before we did the series, some are reading it now. And so if, you, if, you're, if you're only coming to service or hearing the messages, you're only getting a, a fraction of what's in the book. So grab the book. Um, also with the book comes the Pause app. Uh, that many of us have been doing, the one and three and five minute pauses. If you're not doing that, game changer, get the pause app. Uh, and, and the premise of the book in this whole series is essentially this, that our, the way God wired us, the way we're built emotionally, uh, the way we're, we're wired, our souls were not meant to live the way we're living. It is not sustainable. It's not working. Uh, we can't keep doing this. And somebody so lovingly pointed out to me uh, this last week, and they said, Pastor, can you clarify what you mean when you say soul? Because in different maybe uh, belief systems, that means different things. And so um, we see in the Bible that as, as humans, we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And, and when we say the word soul, we mean it's the essence of you. The word soul is literally just our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's, it's kind of the essence of, our, of who we are. Or the Bible sometimes will call this the inner man. And so our mind, will, emotions, all that's coming at us is not meant to live this way. So when we say soul, that's what we mean. And so if, if you weren't here week one, we talked about how our ultimate purpose in life is union with God, uh, that we can expand our capacity for that as well as empty ourselves and create more space for that. And that's why we're doing uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. Fasting is creating more space for God. Uh, week two, we talked about all the noise, about in order for us to hear God more and experience more of Him, we maybe need to cut out some of the other vol the volumes and the voices and noise in our life. Last week, we talked about the best trade. We talked about uh, how Jesus invites us to give up some um, soul-crushing habits for some life-giving um, uh, practices. And uh, so right here in the middle of it, we decided on uh, intentionally, we wanted to kind of end this with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, these are available digitally. If you're online, they're available. We got more of them out in the lobby. If you did not get one of these, uh, it's got the date on it. It's got a scripture, an observation, an application, and a prayer. And, and there's extra scripture reading you could do. We wanted to give you a tool to really get you going uh, as we create space to really connect with God. And we believe God's gonna do something profound in us uh, throughout this time and perhaps uh, help us to maybe recalibrate and realign uh, our lives a little bit so that what we do have coming out of this is more fulfilling and more sustainable. And we would say, man, I think I could do this for the rest of my life versus, man, this isn't working anymore and I can't keep doing this. And so um, today's part four. I will say this. I believe that um, straight up, this is going to probably be the hardest thing we talk about. And it's probably the most important. This is I felt the weight in a good way of this. And I think this, if we will do this, could lead to some massive, massive change, uh, transformation, uh, healing, reconciliation uh, in our lives, if we're willing to apply what we hear today. And so um, let's pray, not just that we hear the words, but that, that the Holy Spirit gets it in us and that it, it develops fruit in our lives. And so Father God, we come to you now. We ask that your word would come alive in us. God, as, as James said, let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us do it. Let it get it, it down into the depths of our soul and our heart. I pray that this word, this truth would, would, uh, uh, would, would really produce fruit in our lives. 
And, and God, I pray that we would have the courage and the intentionality. Holy Spirit, remind us and inspire us to, to, to leave this and actually apply what we're um, doing. And God, as we do that, I believe you're gonna meet us in the most important places in our hearts and lives and souls. And, and finally, God, I would be remiss if I did not just thank you that after two years, college football is back and we can go watch games in stadiums. And God, your word says you have not because you ask not. And so Father, I ask for 10 wins for the Nebraska Cornhuskers this season. In Jesus' name, I'm fine with Oklahoma and Ohio State, but if we could win the rest, we need a turnaround in Lincoln, Nebraska. We know that that is your team. And so would you show the world how much you love Nebraska in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, listen, if you don't pray for your team, you don't love them like I love my team. Okay, let me ask you a couple questions. Have you ever heard like a uh, click or a thump or something, a tick in your car? Anybody ever had this? And you hear like, it's, it's like click, 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 click. And, and your thought is maybe it'll just go away, but you waited too long for it to get checked. Or have you ever had anything in your body, whether it was an ache or a pain or maybe a tooth where you just, your body was trying to tell you something's not right here, something is wrong, but you're like, no, nah, it'll go away, rub some dirt on it, sleep on it, whatever the case may be. And uh, you basically waited until you couldn't handle the pain or the discomfort anymore. Or maybe, have you ever had, uh, maybe somebody's online and this would be them, you've had a room or a garage or like a house project that you um, needed to tend to, but you just kind of said, I will get to it later, we'll get to it later, we'll get to it later, until later came and it got much worse and created a really big problem. Uh, has, has that happened to anybody else ever here? What were the consequences? What are the consequences? Is, is when our car or our house or our body is trying to tell us something, but we're like, it's probably not that big of a deal, we'll get to it later. The consequences are almost always inevitably, it gets way worse, it's a bigger mess than we intended, it costs way more energy, it costs way more time, and it costs way, way more money than it would have had we just taken it to the mechanic when we saw the light come on the dashboard, but which every man goes, no, the check engine light is always on in my car. Uh, and now you're, re now you're building an engine or you're re-drywalling a whole, it's just, it's crazy, right? Uh, my wife had this happen when she was a kid. This is a completely true story. Growing up in central Nebraska, she had one of those uh, kind of houses where her bedroom and the, the bathroom were the only things in the second story. And so no one ever went up there except for her. And she went into her bathroom, she was in high school and she started hearing this like clicking in between the drywall and the wall, like kind of like a hum or a click. And she told her dad, she's like, dad, I think there's something wrong with the wall. Her dad's like, oh, no big deal. Don't worry about it. Cleo, if you're watching this, I love you. Uh, but you know, this is a true story. Um, and so, oh, no big deal, no big deal. Well, she kept going day after day and she would hear more of this humming, this buzzing, this humming, this buzzing. She was like, dad, I don't wanna go in my bathroom anymore. There's something in my bathroom. He's like, oh, Rebecca, it's probably no big deal. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be whatever. Well, till one day she goes into the bathroom and the biggest swarm of bees you can imagine have chewed through the ceiling and has filled her bathroom. I mean, thousands and thousands of bees that had just nested in between the wall, had actually eaten through the wall and the ceiling. She shut the door, put a towel in front of it, ran downstairs. And of course, now they have to redo the bathroom. They have to do the drywall. They have to get the exterminator. Why? Because the first time she said, dad, I think there's something in my wall. He did what a lot of us do with all these things. Like, I'm sure it's no big deal. Yeah, you've been there. Well, because why do we do this? Because we, we either believe or we kind of hope it'll magically sort itself out. Because after all, at one point, 
the car did stop clicking. At one point, my knee did stop hurting, even though I kept working out and doing all the crazy things, right? And then we have a lot of other reasons. We go, well, after all, it could have been worse. After all, I have a lot of important things to do. After all, and I think this is part of it too. At, after all, I don't know that we totally want to really know what's really going on. I don't actually want to know how bad the car is, how bad the knee is, how bad the drywall is. I don't really want to know what's inside the garage if I open up that other side. I actually would rather avoid the reality or the truth of the situation, right? That's kind of going on. And here's what I want to talk about. And here's why I think this weekend is so important. Because I think we do the very same thing with our soul. We neglect some places in our soul that try to get our attention that something is going on, something's not right, but we think it'll get better. We hope it'll go away. It could be worse. I got a lot of things to do, or I just don't want to really deal with this. And so we often send our soul to the back of the bus because after all, we have this crazy life to keep up with. And how do we do this? How do we do this with our soul? Specifically in this area with neglected disappointment, with neglected grief and neglected loss. We as a culture are horrible at dealing with the truth and the reality of these things, especially when our soul is saying, hey, and we go, no, I really don't have time or want to deal with that. And after all, I got a lot of busy things to do. And after all, it's probably not that bad. And after all, a lot of other people have it a lot more worse. And these are things we run from. We are a culture where we run from pain. We don't like pain. Uh, we wanna do whatever we can to get the discomfort and the awkward out as fast as possible. And we wanna get back to normal because normal is just so working right now. And I wonder, I, I, I wonder if God couldn't come and show up physically and sit next to us. And if, if of all the things that he could say to us, I'm convinced the first thing would be that how much he absolutely loves you and you're okay. And, and he just, he's just loves you. But beyond that, I can't help but wonder how many of us, if he sat down next to us and he tapped us on the shoulder and he could just say one thing, I wonder how many of us he would say, um, you're neglecting your soul right now. And it's not gonna work out for you well in the long term. And how do we neglect this? How do we hide from it? Two words, and, and these can be hugely deep and sometimes they're, they're maybe more surface, but either way, I would say it this way, ungrieved griefs. Ungrieved griefs is how we neglect our soul. We don't pay attention to the warning signs and we just keep on trucking down the road. And here's the truth about ungrieved griefs. Football and fishing and golf, as fun as they are, aren't going to address our real needs. They're worth praying about, but they aren't going to address our real needs. Binging Netflix and TikTok aren't gonna do it. Shopping and social gatherings and more busyness isn't going to do it. So we have to have something we do with this because these only stay this way for so long and it inevitably will be the bees in the wall, the car that breaks down, it, and it will happen at the most inopportune time and it will cost you so much more time, energy, and money and relationships than you ever, ever hoped to. And so what are we gonna do with these ungrieved griefs? What are we gonna do with the areas of our soul? Or maybe a question is, is there perhaps an area of your soul that has been neglected enough that if you were to give Holy Spirit permission to go wherever he wanted it in your life, heart, and past, he would say, hey, let's talk about this right now. 
It could have been during the past 18 months, during the pandemic, but there's a lot of us that lost a lot of normalcy and things. It could have been something that happened 30 years ago with your parents, your mom, your dad, or a loss of a loved one, or it could have been the loss of a spouse or a divorce. I mean, there's a lot of things it could be. And so what do we do with this? And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you three really simple things, really simple. And you have to do all three of these. And if you do, you are going to experience change, transformation, healing, grace, compassion, and God will do something miraculous in your heart. But if you don't do all three of them, you are going to miss the neglected areas of your soul and you're gonna miss out on what God really wants to do. And I know we're talking about the right thing because you all look at me right now like you're terrified. So I'm, I'm just really glad that we're, we're, we're all on the same page. So what are we gonna do? I'm gonna give you three really simple things. I would encourage you to put these in a note somewhere on your phone, right? them down. They're going to be easy to remember. They're super simple, but how do we deal with this? Well, first, first thing we have to do is this. Number one, we have to name it, or we have to name them. We have to name our losses, name our disappointment, name our ungrieved griefs. It could have been a graduation you didn't get to go to because of COVID. It could have been a, 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 the loss of a father who walked out of your home when you were 17 or 13 or seven years old. It could have been sexual abuse. It could have, it could, I mean, it could be a lot of things, but here's what we have to do. We have to name it, and here's the, the trick. You have to be specific. You have to be really specific. Tell the story. And, and, and when I say name it, I mean two things. And I really, there's power in both of these, biblically and psychologically. I don't have time to get into it. But when I say name it, I mean this. Number one, say it out loud. And then number two, write it down. If you've never journaled before, you're gonna start. And if you start, you're gonna see God do some amazing things. Name them, say it out loud and tell, it's, it's this thing, it's that, be specific about that thing and I'm going to do this. And here's, and here's where we get this. There's all kinds of scripture and templates for this in the Bible. And we see um, probably no better book of the Bible um, other than Psalms where David and other psalmists did this regularly. But David, King David, who was a follower of, of God, he was uh, the mighty King David. He was the picture of this. He regularly poured out his heart in authenticity to what was happening in his life to God. And so in Psalm 120, verse one, David says it this way. He says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him and he answered my prayer. David is saying, I have made a pattern of bringing my neglected grief and disappointment and loss, my ungrieved griefs. I have made a pattern of, I bring that to the Lord. I name it. I will tell you what it is. You can go through the Psalms. He's really specific. God, I can't believe you're letting my enemies flourish and I'm hiding in this cave and they're out here winning and I've been here losing. I mean, if you go through the Psalms, he's unbelievably specific. Some of you are nodding your head because you've read those. And, but, he's, but what is he doing? He's naming them. He obviously wrote them down. Well, how do we know he wrote them down? Oh, they're in Psalms. We're we reading it. He wrote it. So he said it and he wrote it. And again, psychology is like, yes, do all of these things. And so, so here's, where, here's where you start. And again, so simple, so practical, but I have been praying my guts out that we will do this this week. Simple question is, what are the disappointments or losses over the past 18 months? And hopefully we're doing this in our fasting and we're creating space where we're not doing a million other things because that won't work. We have space where we're just gonna allow the spirit of God and our soul to talk to us. Did you know your soul will talk to you if you tune out the noise and give it space? Some of us, that's why we have to have noise and busyness all the time because we're actually really afraid of what it's going to say. Can I tell you, I, sometimes I do this and it's heavy and it's wow and it's, I, it's, I, it's almost more than I can handle. And sometimes it's not heavy. I've had times where it's cathartic. It's, it's a relief to actually just acknowledge it, to say it. I know I just prayed about Nebraska football. It's not a, a big deal, but last year was the first time in 35 years I didn't get to go to a game with my parents. 
It was the first time in her life we didn't go to a game. Like there was a little bit of a loss where I'm like, oh, it was relieving to just acknowledge. Uh, that was a disappointment. I didn't need to like super invite Jesus into that, but it was helpful for me to acknowledge this mattered. So it can be minuscule. It can be small, but you're allowing yourself to talk to you. Um, or maybe it's a huge thing and it's the one thing that you just do not want to talk about. You're like, I can't go there. And listen, with every amount of empathy and compassion I have in my heart, if you have been through something so unbelievably horrible and traumatic, and in a church and an audience this size, that's probably a lot of you. I know, I, I can only imagine what it's like to feel, I, I can't go there. Can I just lovingly encourage you to tell you, you can't afford not to. It might be the hardest work you've ever done, but you go from being a slave to being free. You get to experience the full life that God has for you. And although the work may be hard, God is bigger, he's better, he will get you through it, and you will be different on the other end. And I'm talking as somebody who's been there. So you can't afford not to. But what's our, so what's the alternative to this? Taking our troubles, naming, the only really alternative to this is avoidance, right? It's avoidance. How can I shut it out? How can I bury it? But here's the truth about a, 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 avoidance. Avoiding or, or neglecting your soul is literally like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. The bigger the ball and the more you push it, what happens? The more pressure it is, the more it pushes back and the more energy you have to exert just to keep it. Like, oh, I gotta keep it down. And some of you, this is exactly how you feel right now. You're just trying to push, just keep it below the surface. Don't let it pop. It's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be a mess. I don't want anybody to see it. I'll be embarrassed. And we're just trying to stuff this thing. And that's what we're doing. And because that's the opposite of this is avoidance. And the problem with this is that there's no guilt and shame in this, but here's the problem with this. When we do that, we're actually shutting off and running from huge parts of ourselves. We're actually running from huge parts of our own soul. And then this is gonna help somebody. When we try to connect with God, we can't because there's not much soul left to connect with him. Come on, somebody. Oh, I haven't been able to connect with God for a lot of years. I've learned to ask a question. Is there perhaps an ungrieved grief or neglect in the soul that we've been pushing because you can't open your heart to God, but close your heart to the world around you? Your heart's either open or closed. And you, you're a smart audience. I think you know what I'm saying. The truth is this. We can't find more of God because we're actually looking with so little of our own soul. Put that, put that quote up there. I think it's the next slide. We, we, we can't find more of God because we're looking with so little of our own soul. The truth is it actually takes more of me, more of my intentionality, more of my soul to find more of God. That's it, and that's a me problem, not a God problem. We can't find God because we've left too much of us behind. In his book, uh, Get Your Life Back, Eldridge write, writes it this way. By the way, Eldridge, not only an author, but a counselor of 30 years, biblical counselor, so he kind of knows what he's talking about. He says this, just as the assault on our attention keeps pushing us into the shallows, the pace of life rushes us past significant moments of disappointment and loss. And in doing so, continues the shallowfication of our souls. We are like eroded stream banks, a little more shaved off every year. It's not just the busyness, but it's the neglect. Did you know that it's actually kindness towards yourself to be honest about the reality of your soul, to the reality of your story? Your story is your story. It's what makes you who you are. And, and so owning that is a, is a part of authenticity and integrity and actually becoming who God made you to be. And here's what I know. I get it. Nobody likes hanging around grief. Nobody wants to be around like, oh, I, I just want to get past it. But we have, such a, we have such a problem in our culture. Did you know that the average bereavement in corporate America right now is four days for the loss of a child or a spouse uh, and three days for a parent? Three days. That's insanity. 
You haven't even begun to breathe. You're still in shock. And now we're expected to go work 80 hours a week and produce and be busy and, and go. And of course, there's neglected parts of our souls. In his book, Eldridge, who's a counselor, he suggests three months of margin, three months of space, three months of soul care. He says of open space and time where real grieving and healing can begin. Counselors would tell you, it's gonna take us a quarter of a year to start this process, but corporate America says you should just get through it in four days and let's just get back to the grind. Do you see the problem? Why does this matter? Because your losses matter. They matter to God and they matter to you. And so part of this life is mending the broken pieces. It's actually kindness of ourselves when we acknowledge our losses and we give them adequate space, whether it's a loss of a job, a loss of a parent, we can't get pregnant, the loss of a significant other, a divorce, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, burying the family dog, um, lack of intimacy in your marriage, uh, financial situation. Those are all things that, that really require space in our soul to like work through so we can come out on the other side restored and redeemed. You can come out on the other side restored and redeemed, but only if you give it space. And here's the, the good news. You don't need to go on a witch hunt for this. You don't need to be like, well, where do I start? You don't need to, like your soul knows what's going on. You just need some space. And I promise you, if you create some space, a memory, a movie from your past, a thought, a name, a face, something is gonna come to your mind. And that's, especially if you're saying, God, you direct this. That's where the Holy Spirit wants to start. Or maybe it's just simply picking something that you're like, I'm bummed this happened the last two years. I'm bummed this happened this year. I'm bummed I missed this. I'm grieving it. It's a disappointment. It could have been an opportunity, job opportunity that didn't happen that could have changed your future or a friendship. Just start there, name it, name it, name it, name it. Write it down, say it out loud, name it, write it down, say it out loud. The second one is, is this. Uh, after you name it, then we're going to feel it. Yes, baby boomers, permission to feel. I, I'd say that tongue in cheek because you came from a generation that said, we don't feel anything. Put it away, set it aside. We still gotta do take care of business. And, and again, there's some strengths of where you came from, but you were not a part of a generation that, that allowed you to do this. Now, millennials and Gen X and Z are just like, you just live here, you stay here. That's all you ever do is you just camp here and you just be in your fields. That's not gonna work either. So that's why you gotta do all three of these. We're all jacked up. Generation X, we might be the only ones. That, no, no, we didn't get it right either. No, we didn't, no, we didn't. But you gotta feel it. You have to let the emotion that comes with that grief, loss, anger, disappointment, you have to let that come. So can I tell you, it could be sadness, it could be, it could be a lot of things, but most often, do you know what the predominant or initial emotion you're going to feel is? Anger, anger. Can I free you with this for a little bit? Can I, do you know that anger is not a sin, right? The Bible says in your anger, do not sin. Anger is not a sign that something is wrong with you. Anger is a sign that something's wrong with the world. It's our indicator light, it's our dash light going, something's wrong. Now, what we do with it either perpetuates the problem or solves the problem. Remember, we're in charge, we're in choice, we have a choice. What we do with that anger is what decides whether it becomes a sin and we make it worse and we take it out on everybody and the dog and the kids and, or if we bring it to the right places. Because in some ways, everything is wrong with the world, right? I think so many of us, we are embarrassed because of our anger, but it's, your anger, listen to this, is just proof or an indicator that your heart is aching for things just to be right. What if next time you felt angry, you weren't like, I'm gonna kill somebody. You were like, what is my heart aching for to be right in this situation? Now we're dealing with anger in a biblical way. Now we're, we're doing this as, as people who are being authentic with themselves, one with themselves, and at the same time still being able to follow Jesus, right? Right? 
How? How do we do this? We, we just acknowledge that your losses matter and you allow your soul to feel. Again, I said this, your soul, you don't need to tell it what to do. It, the, the feeling's gonna come up. The sadness, the sorrow, the anger, um, the loneliness. You might even find yourself shouting some pretty intense things. Your losses matter. Listen, somebody needs to hear that. Your losses matter. They matter in your life. They matter in your story. And they super matter to your creator, loving heavenly father, God, who is super about you. They matter. And so while you pretended it wasn't a big deal, Jesus would say, no, it's a big deal. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Let's move on. Let's stop neglecting. Let's stop pushing our soul to the back of the bus. And so when we deal with our anger, let's deal with it the right way. I love in the book, he's like, you might need to get a spatula and beat some pillows. You might need to get a baseball bat and beat a Rubbermaid. Be careful. Uh, you might need to go, for, and I would add, you might need to go for a drive and scream. You might need to go to a driving range and hit golf balls as hard as you can. As long, and they, who cares where they go? As long as you're not hurting somebody else, you're acknowledging it. And while you're doing it, you're naming it. You're, you're not just, we're not just in our feels, but we're naming the thing and feeling it. This, is, this was an epiphany for me this week. Um, one of the first things that was ever recorded that Jesus ever said was the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. I think this is the second or third sentence he says in Matthew five. He says, blessed are those who, say it with me, mourn, mourn for they will be comforted. I never fully got this and I don't know that I fully do, but I get it way more now. What I think Jesus is saying, cause I'm like, why would, why would I be blessed if I mourn? That stinks. But what he's saying is blessed is the one who experienced comfort and healing and peace. But the only way you experience that is if you mourn, you name it, and you feel it. See, what it doesn't say is, blessed is the one who is busy, for they will be comforted. Blessed is the one who creates distraction, for they will be comforted. Blessed is the one who, who finds all kinds of reasons to not deal with reality, for they will be comforted. But that's what our world offers, right? We just got to go, we got to do. And he says, blessed are those who have the courage to name it and feel it and sit into it, because then and only then, when you bring me in, will you experience true comfort, true healing, and true redemption. And somebody needs to hear that this weekend. So the question we have to ask when we're naming it and we're feeling it is, is the way I'm dealing with it, is it helpful or is it harmful? Is it helpful or harmful? Is it just being medicated with TV, medicating pain, stimulants, nicotine, sugar, caffeine, screens? Let me give you two quick lists really, really quick. Uh, and you just tell me which one maybe sounds more like the life we live. So here's some things that are really helpful in the morning grieving process. Sunshine, every living thing and green things, long walks, lonely country roads, those who sound like a country song that's probably been written 3,000 times, the beach, water, rivers, running water, swimming, beauty, music, friendly dogs, <laughs> compassion, yard work, or how about this when you're mourning? Not expecting myself to produce on the same level I normally do. Those are really helpful things to do. Can I give you some not helpful things? Grocery stores, malls, television, traffic, draining people who want my time and to talk to me, airports, the news, especially politics, social media, and the typical dose of movie violence. Those are not helpful for your soul. Now, let me ask you a question. Which of those two lists that I just listed sounds more of your weekly routine? Do you see why we have to get intentional about this? We have to be, this isn't just gonna naturally happen because the unhelpful things are what is being crammed at us. It's in, we have to intentionally care for our heart and our soul. And here's why. We just can't always be on. We are not meant to always be on. But we live in a, in a society in general, it's like beyond, beyond. How do I know? Because we have these new things called, well, they're not new anymore, energy drinks. You guys are never gonna believe this, but there was a time when energy drinks didn't even exist. 
there was no such thing, right? There didn't used to be, it was black coffee at the co-op. Like that was it. That was the energy drink. Well, nicotine probably too, but whatever. Uh, they didn't have it. And then there was one, remember? The bull, Red Bull. Like Red Bull was the energy drink. Now go to any gas station. There's twice as many energy drinks as there is water. Why? Because our, we're living our lives like we're driving our car on the redlining of RPMs all the time. Our, go, 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 go. And when I'm about ready to crash, five-hour energy, get this monster, no sugar. And we're constantly developing all these new products. Why? Because we just have to be on. Listen to this. And this is what, this is the heart of what I'm saying this, this, this weekend. Why does this matter? Because there is a huge difference between relief and restoration. The world will offer you relief. Jesus wants to give you full restoration. And so those things will be relief. Those coping mechanisms, all the things, the sugars, all the, the, the Netflix. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of them, most, most of them, in and of themselves. But are we going for temporary relief so we can continue to push our soul to the back of the bus? Or are we actually wanting healing, redemption, and reconciliation? And this is why we have to talk about this, Cape Christian. I love my church. I love you guys. This is why we have to talk about it. Because this is not just going to accidentally happen. Nobody went like, oh, I accidentally got my life back and everything's where it's supposed to be. Things are only going to get worse. This culture is only going to get faster. Things are only going to get crazier at an alarming rate, right? So we got to do something. So we have to name it. And we have to endure the thunderstorm. For those of you online, shocker, there's a thunderstorm today. We have to name it. We have to create space and allow ourselves to feel. And here's the third one. And this is where a lot of us miss it. And it's so simple, but we have to do it. We're going to name it. We're going we're gonna to say it. And we're going to write it down. We're going to allow ourselves to feel it in a healthy, not sinful, destructive way to ourselves or somebody else. And the third one is we invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus in. I kind of already said it in the Psalm 120 scripture, but invite Jesus in. Jesus, I've identified. I hear my, my soul. I hear your spirit saying, it's time to forgive. It's time to heal. It's time to start talking about the abuse. It's time to readdress the divorce. It's time to talk about what my uncle really did to me when I was 12 years old. Here's how I feel. I feel robbed. I feel hurt. I feel angry. I want to kill somebody. I want to hurt somebody. I have all these. I don't know what to do, but I don't know what to do, but you, apparently you do. So you come in. You have to direct this thing because this thing is crazy and it's chaos and I don't want relief anymore. I want restoration. I want redemption. I want to be like Humpty Dumpty. I want to be put back together again. I don't want to put a band-aid on a hemorrhage. I want a scar. And here's why I want a scar. I want to be healed. I want to be fully functional. I want to have a story of how Jesus changed and shaped my life. I'm not afraid of scars. I want this wound to become a scar because scars give God all kinds of glory. David said this in Psalm 34, verse 18. He said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Come on, like what else do we need? God. What's his posture towards the hurting? The soul neglected? He's close to him. He rescues those whose spirits and souls are crushed. So he's waiting. He's like, I got what you need. 
Just open your heart, open your mind, open your will to me, open, like be, let me in and I can do what no one else can do. The world will offer you relief. I will give you redemption and restoration. You're just inviting Jesus in. And when you do, you experience his love and his presence and his healing and his comfort into that specific area. And so a great question to ask when you're inviting Jesus is, is God, what do you have to say about this? God, what do you wanna say about this neglected area of my soul? What's the truth in the word? What's the promise in the word? What's the the truth about your character and nature? What's the truth about forgiveness? What's the healing you have? What do you wanna say? As the disciple Peter said in 1 Peter chapter five, he says this, give all your worries and cares to God because he super cares for you. As sure as I'm standing here, if you will do all three of these things, God will transform your life. It might be some of the hardest work you've ever done. Been there. I've done some hard physical things. They don't pale in comparison to some of the emotional and spiritual work I've had to do on some of my neglected areas of my soul and some of the hurts and wounds and past that I've had to deal with. But he will change your life if you will go do these things. I wanna read the very last paragraph. It's like three sentences of the chapter where he kind of digs into this because it's a beautiful word picture. And I think it's God's heart for us and it's definitely my heart for my church. Eldridge says it this way, your soul is a beautiful instrument, like a cello or a piano, capable of a vast range of expression and experience. But see, over time, strings get broken and keys are lost. 30 years of this and there isn't much of us left with which to make music. Though we want God, he's forced to only play one or two notes because it's all he has to work with. But by attending to the neglected places of our souls, we recover the lost strings and damaged keys. And the more we do, the more rich and colorful our life becomes because God has so much more to make music with. And so it would be a sin for me to preach this and not give space to name feel and invite Jesus in. There's a beautiful song that fits this so perfectly that we're going to uh, have the worship team come sing and they're just gonna create an atmosphere where you can do that. And so if you need to get out of your seat and need some privacy, if you wanna come up front and kneel down, if you wanna turn around at your seat or if you just wanna bow your head or whatever, but I wanna encourage you to start the process. I wanted to give you the opportunity to do those three things. And then I'll come back and pray, but I I could not say this and not give you space to begin to respond and say, God, here's what it is. I'm gonna allow myself to feel this. It's a four minute song, you got time. And I'm gonna invite you into this specific area. Let's get real redemption, real healing, and real restoration. So Father God, we give you this moment where your spirit come, be felt and known. God, would we be able to begin the process of healing and getting our life and our souls back as we name it, as we feel it, And as we invite you in, Jesus. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you. 
God, that's exactly what we're doing. We're making room for you. We just make room for you. And God, I believe we barely scratched the surface, some of us. And as maybe as scary, as overwhelming as this maybe sounds or seems, I pray that we would see this through your lens, that you have freedom and liberation and healing and restoration. And you would never ask us to do something you're not gonna walk us through. Because you are greater than any pain, any negativity, anything that's happened, you are greater and you stick closer than a brother. And so God, I pray that this would not just be the end of it, but this would be the beginning. That in these next couple weeks, as we take the 21 days of prayer and fasting into our last two weeks, that we would create space. We would ask the question, are there neglected parts of my soul? Are there ungrieved griefs? And God, if there are, we would ask the question, what would you say to me? If you're here and You've never even started a relationship with Jesus. You're like, I didn't even, like, this is so beyond me, but you're like, I want to know more. I want, I want, to, I want to, to, to have this life, this relationship. The Bible says you just have to pray and invite Jesus into your heart. You just say, God, I, I'm, I'm relinquishing control of my life. You be the center of my life. And if that's you, you can, you can do that right now. You can pray with somebody after service. 
If you're even thinking about it or you want to pray that prayer or that's where you're at, we would love for you just to text the word Cape Yes to 94000. I'll send you a video. We want to walk with you, give you some tools. But for some of us, we can't invite Jesus into that part of our soul until we invite him into our life. And if that's you, don't leave this place before you make your soul and your heart right with God. For the rest of us, I'm going to be praying this week that you would begin to tend to those neglected places and that you'd start to see God show up in mighty ways through this. And so as you go this week, let's not just be hearers of what we heard, but let's apply this and allow God to do some major healing and redemption in our life. I love you guys. Thank you for being with us this week. We'll see you next week for week five of Get Your Life Back.